Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you want an idea of what it's like to play for Celtic, then all you have to do is look at the reaction online from Celtic's 3-0 defeat to Rangers at the weekend despite the fact that Celtic have already secured the league title, already secured the League Cup, and are on their way to a domestic treble with the Scottish Cup final coming up very now soon. Hopefully, don't be a jinx, Enda. Well, I'm just adding that it is part of what is actually coming up. But despite that, very, very heavy defeat to Rangers at the weekend and a very angry response to the performance that was put in by the Celtic players. So that is the pressure that comes with playing for Celtic. And that is what Ange Postacoglu said as well after the game. There are no freebies when it comes to be uh, being part of an Ange Postacoglu Celtic side. And James, this was not a freebie for the players who come in. And they definitely weren't let off scot-free by the fans afterwards. No, not at all. But before we get into that, I want to address a slanderous rumor that's in the comments already from Tobago Street Police Station, CSC. I was not out walking the dog. That's why we're not we, we, we're five minutes late because my dog was barking uh, and I had to try and get her to quiet down. Uh, so the, the nuance is important. I was not out walking the dog. It is my fault that we were five minutes late, though. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, it's one of those games. It's like, we've been talking about this for weeks now, uh, you know, how we've kind of looked like a tired team and, uh, maybe the edge is off a little bit and, you know, there's this narrative running about, we don't stop. And, you know, obviously Ange being uh, a beloved high quality manager and all these things, but these people are freaking human beings, right? We've talked about that too. Um, and the idea that they are impervious to, you know, a relative letdown in, uh, in intensity. Um, I had somebody, I, and I forgive me, I, off the top of my head, I forget who it was or else I'd mention who, um, give them credit. But somebody on Twitter um, uh, asked me to look up the, the number of fouls in the game. Uh, not, not from a, I don't think his motivation was, uh, I didn't think when he asked me, it was like, oh, like a refereeing thing. It was more so like, where was the intensity at? <laughs> uh, so Celtic only had four fouls in the game. And that's like one quarter of what we've typically had against Rangers this season, you know, in a range. So, mm. you know, that speaks to the fact that this wasn't a, a team flying around um, with their hair on fire in an in, you know, a Derby matchup with massive amounts of intensity. And, you know, it's that unforgivable and gutless and, you know, you get all these wonderful adjectives that people ascribe to people uh, and, and these poor players that, you know, do pour their guts into a season by all accounts for so, so many weeks on end. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't great. Uh, a lot of things didn't go well. The intensity level was probably down a notch or two or three. Um, the, the, you know, the turnover and players a little bit, some people getting an opportunity to play, which again is what these games are for, right? The league's over. If you're going to stress test some of these guys in this kind of environment, pretty good time to do it. I mean, you can't just in perpetuity keep running the same guys out there, that kind of thing. At least in my opinion, that's my view. I think it's reasonable that we played some players, um, that haven't gotten much game time, that kind of thing. So 
yeah, some of the reaction was uh, entertaining, I guess is another way to put it. Yeah. Stephen Arbuckle in the comments, I think this is the best way to describe both our tardiness for the podcast and also the performance at the weekend. He says two words, not good enough. So. <laughs> Fair enough. And you know what? And it is. I, I agree. Like in a perfect world, it wasn't good enough, uh, but it's not a perfect world. And like I said, these people are human. And p- probably the thing I took most umbrage with was you know, kind of picking out some of the younger players that haven't played that much um, and they weren't good, right? So this is not trying to defend crap performances, but pretty much the whole team was crap. I mean, Cal McGregor was pretty awful. Uh, Hitate wasn't great. Um, You know, Starfelt probably was the one that you could say, hey, he actually played, you know, pretty good overall. Hart wasn't great. You know, so there was plenty of, um, you know, not great to go around. And and Mm. I think that, you know, all, and this is independent. Like I'm, I'm not um, suggesting that a Bernabe or an O or um, Kobayashi are necessarily uh, quote unquote good enough or not. Like I, I'm just saying that off of this game alone, I, I think it's pretty harsh to extrapolate at, or for this to be the the threshold of you know the camel, the straw that breaks the camel's back as far as making that determination. Because again, it was just a pretty putrid collective effort um that manifested in a lot of players looking you know unimpressive Mm. well here's the thing because most of the reaction i would say our analysis from this was that this was an opportunity for players to step up into their positions and you know potentially fight for a place in the scottish cup final it was sort of a showing of where celtic's depth is is really at and that a lot of players come up short but I guess the counterpoint I would make to that, so Celtic's starting lineup at the weekend was Joe Hart and goals, Bernabe came in at left back, Kobayashi left centre back with Starfelt on the right, and Anthony Ralston played right back. O'Reilly, Cal McGregor, and Rio Watate. That's a normal starting uh, midfield for Celtic. And then Lila Bada, who hasn't played much this season with O and Jota up front. Look, O had a good opportunity, hit the post, unlucky. He probably didn't do much outside of that. Abada didn't do much in the game at all. Kobayashi was probably found out for two goals and Bernabe, most of the attacking was coming down uh, his side for one good reason because he was pretty poor all round on the ball and off the ball at the weekend. But the counterpoint I would make to the fact that, you know, some of these players are, are coming in and it might have shown up that the lack of the Celtic's depth isn't as strong as it was or or might the people might have thought it was. These players are there as squad players or as people to come in if there's somebody injured. They're not going to be there to be playing as part of the starting 11 in that combination. Like, the, I'll, I'll put it this way. So, Starfeld is Celtic starting left centre back. Kobayashi came in because that's going to be the partnership for the rest of the season Cal, uh, as uh, Cameron Carter Vickers is out injured. Those two aren't going to play each other, play together much. But the question is, is Kobayashi good enough to come in to replace either Starfelt or Cameron Carter-Vickers if one of them are out injured? I think the answer outside of this game is probably yes, but he's playing beside Bernabe, who is also coming in for the first time, who's playing with Rio Hatate and Jota in front of him without Maeda, who's going to be doing a lot of the defensive work that would naturally cover up a lot of Bernabe's uh, weaknesses so that's probably not going to happen all that much and then you have Lila Bada playing on the right who hasn't really played that much he's playing beside O those two probably aren't going to play together all that much in a starting lineup with Jota on the left so it's not that these players are individually not good enough it's more that if you put them all together on the pitch at the same time that's when you start to see the real issue with this well and so um, uh, the true gentleman Steve McGrory in uh, the comments, and Steve's always such a nice guy. I always uh, enjoy interacting with him on Twitter. Uh, so appreciate you watching, Steve, Is uh, and commenting. Is, you know, if, if it was just those guys and they were collectively awful, but the midfield was pretty putrid. And, you know, again, let's be frank about this. Th- th- and again, this did not come out of nowhere. Um, I would argue that the relative tactics of the two teams that, you know, Rangers probably got the better of it, meaning that they, um, Beal pretty clearly has adjusted his tactics against us. We talked about that since 
uh, the League Cup final where he kind of bottomed out as being naively horrible and he <laughs> has been improving since. And he went to this kind of box midfield four that kind of moves into a diamond at times. So he's been, he, he, he appears to have made the decision to kind of, um, you know, crowd the midfield and try to win that battle against our midfield. And, you know, again, I'm, and I'm not um, rendering final judgment on any of the midfielders like they it was pretty much 4v3 a lot of the game and our midfield didn't play great in a dead rubber game when these guys have played a lot of minutes and games and you know Hatate's not that long off of a fresh injury that kind of stuff so it's like you know on the margins I would say um, you know we probably lost the tactical battle to a degree so again that's context it's not to excuse Kobayashi's performance, but all the things that you just mentioned with a midfield that's outnumbered in front of them that isn't playing that great and a Rangers team that pretty clearly had a higher level of intensity. Let's be frank about it. They had more to play for um, because they, you know, a lot of the narratives about our guys getting, you know, uh, a chance also applies to their guys and um, you know, they're, they're guys that are clearly on the off weren't playing. I mean, McGregor didn't play, Kent didn't play, and Morales didn't play. Those are the three big kind of keystone underperformers this season, the disgruntled, not so much McGregor, but the other two who's theoretically disgruntled players. So they had, you know, they had guys that hadn't played as many minutes like Matondo, who's, who's no great shakes, but he's a fast guy <laughs> who was – uh, applying himself in a system that was, you know, in tactics that were reasonably well thought out. And, you know, that, that makes the whole matchup, I think, even tougher for the the guys that kind of came off the bench cold that haven't had that many game minutes that are relatively young. A guy like, oh, who again, isn't with Celtic that long, hasn't gone through a preseason um, where he's kind of, you know, hitting all of this on the ground on, on the fly. Um, so, you know, again, I, it's, I, I have bigger concerns and I think if anything, um, this kind of result is, and I don't want to call it welcome because I hate ever having that kind of a, a result against them, but you know, there's always this risk of getting too big for your britches. That's, a, that's I don't, I don't know if that's a saying over, over in Ireland. Uh, you usually say boots, but you use that one too. Yeah. So I, the, the, the risk of overconfidence and complacency uh, and I don't ascribe that to Ange. I, I don't think that that's his his um, makeup. But you know, I, I think there was probably a, a, a collective overconfidence within the support relative to where we are uh, versus Rangers. And you know, this came as a surprise, maybe to some. Um, I think the the nature of it surprised me. Even I mean, it was really pretty poor. Um, but you know some of the some of the things season long and really since Beal came in relative to to how we've been for, been performing, you know it's, it, these narratives about gaps closing and all that stuff. I don't get caught up in that. But it, I, I'd say you know heading into next season, if all other things are equal, and they won't be because we've got more money and hopefully our recruitment's better and all these other things. But as things stand right now, I don't think that the you know the gap in the points are reflective of kind of underlying fundamentals as far as quality of squads, that kind of thing. Um, and that's why I, I don't want to see us be complacent. I wrote an article about that. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think we will be, but um, I, I don't think, you know, just like the, the 25 point gap in the 2021 season was absurd. Wasn't anywhere near the fun. Uh, did I lose you? The underlying no. fundamentals of, um, of, of the, of the two clubs, you know, I, I think on the margin that, the current um, table standings are, are, are probably a little bit flattering relative to some of those. Um, and, and, you know, so whether this was a wake up call or anything like that, I mean, I don't think it will be for the people at Celtic. I hope it isn't. I don't think it, I hope it didn't, doesn't need to be. Um, but for some in the support, probably it was. Mm. Speaking of lack of depth, I should acknowledge that we're not playing with full deck of cards this week yeah, well, on the show. So um, Alan is yeah, off on a, big long walk he's these, probably these, walking these, these guys that retire and think they can just take vacation whenever the hell they want you know i don't know i don't yeah. know i don't know what we can do about this under well i should we should acknowledge that the podcast will suffer as a result of not 
playing our first 11 or our, our best 11. So um, just wanted to say hello to Alan if he is listening on his walk. Um, we, we, do, we will be missing you and your, your takes on, on the podcast this week. So uh, bear with us as we try work our way through this game. Look, I think Cal McGregor and Ange pretty much summed up the feeling afterwards. And that was that I don't think there was a problem with the intent of the Celtic players in this game because, you know, Cal McGregor did acknowledge that it wasn't good enough and there are no games that are meaningless, especially against Rangers. And there's no games that are meaningless. Celtic would have wanted to win that game as much as, as Rangers is. But I think the reality of it is the first half was pretty close. Like the Celtic did actually threaten quite a bit in the first half. Uh, o had that chance that he hit the post with, you know, very unlucky not to score from that. I think Matt O'Reilly, who had a great opportunity and it was it was a good attempt as well. It was just a brilliant save some from McCrory that was a Nets. And yep. that game's a completely different, you know, that brings a completely different complexion onto the game. The game ended with, you know, I think a, a 0.5 differential in the XG altogether. Celtic had more possession in the game. I think it was just the flatness of the second half that was the problem. Celtic almost had, do you remember the 4-0 win where Celtic were 3-0 up at half time? And the second half was a little bit flat. Celtic just dominated possession. They just went through the, the the paces and Rangers didn't really threaten at all. Really didn't look like they were fighting back. That's sort of what Celtic had this weekend in the second half. Was it just flatness, really? Yeah, I, I think, so you're, you're right. The, the first half was kind of, I would say, um, I don't know, use the technical term yuck meaning that I I would say it probably shaded Rangers, but not in any kind of material way. And, you know, again, we we talk about these, these players of moments. I don't think Abada was, you know, very good, but that he, that was a great cross, right? And he has been a player of moments, meaning that he's fairly erratic. We've talked about that and he comes up with these kind of big plays. uh, And that was, you know, really good cross to, Oh, that, Again, on another day, when if they were playing their senior citizen keeper, uh, O probably has an easier finish <laughs> rather than a um, you know a young keeper coming out and and uh, blitzkrieging him. Um, but yeah, I think the, the XG in the first half was uh, I have it in front of me. Let's say point five four to Celtic versus point four eight to Rangers, but they scored twice. And as you know, Alan talks about it a lot, which is game state. So all of the fundamentals that we talked about relative to dead rubber and the turnover in players and it being kind of a yuck first half, and all of a sudden now you're down 2-0, right? Are you going to come out and go nuts in the second half trying to claw it back? And almost all of that XG was on that, oh, chance too. So it's not like we were creating a bunch of chances in that first half. There's a couple other ones. You said the O'Reilly, um, Abada had a bit of a chance. Um, that was pretty much it. I thought they had a little bit one off of a corner, but nothing, you know, again, material. Um, so again, the bounce of play was tilted, shaded towards Rangers. They happened to score twice, um, for, you know, a couple of reasons that weren't great. Um, so that's the, the, you know, the game state aspect. And then, you know, the second half, we basically had, um, the big O'Reilly chance and that was it. Hmm. Let's talk about some of the individual performances then. We might talk about Burnaby in a second, but for me, there is one player that stands out who was probably at fault for two of the goals. Don't mean to be too harsh to him, but in my yes, opinion, that's what he actually was at fault for the two goals. He's the wrong left-footed Col- center back. Just come out and say well, well, I, I'm This is a Liam Scales stand podcast. We all know that. So, uh, Look, Kobayashi, slightly unlucky with the first goal, I will say that, but he is caught ball watching. He, if you watch the replay of the goal, he's looking at Joe Hart save the ball rather than paying attention to what his job is actually doing. And then his body shape is completely wrong and he's not able to react to Todd Cantwell getting onto the ball. And then the second goal, he is outmuscled by Sutter for the corner. Now, we were talking before the podcast started and we're kind of both in agreement that Kobayashi is not the man we would have put on Sitter in the first place. So you also need to take that into account that, you know, is it his fault that he is marking a person who's going to be stronger and taller and better in the air? Or is that a fault of the general consensus that he would be the guy to mark him? Yep. So this is, um, 
yeah, this gets into the the, the spreadsheet shagger aspect of all of this, which is <laughs> uh, trying to it, again to use an analytics term or statistical term is decompose um, the the contribution aspects of all of this stuff, right? So um, you had what was yeah, a fairly okay chance from Lundstrom. I mean, it wasn't a good chance, but he put a decent shot on goal. Uh, left-footed shot from an angle from outside the box. Probably not a great shot to decide to take, but he happened to put a decent shot on Hart, who proceeds to do a pretty poor parry. Um, and again, that that that's reflected in his um, various advanced stats. I mean, he just basically dumped it right out in front of goal. Not great. Kobayashi doesn't respond really well. So there's some, quote-unquote, blame to share there. Uh, Cantwell, and credit to him, has a pretty nice finish. I mean, that that's a ball that's bouncing. It's not like it just put on a platter for him. So he's got to strike that well, um, you know, a little bit off the ground, which makes it a, on the margins a more difficult shot. And then he puts it right between Hart's legs. So, again, is it a hard shot? Yes. Did he strike it solid? Yes. Is that a save that you want your keeper to make? Probably. Um but they're not going to make it 100% of the time, obviously. So, again, you allocate a little bit of the blame to Hart on the shot stopping as well. So that's how you kind of decompose all of those things from an analytics perspective. And um, at least that's how I, I think about it. Uh, so, yeah, Kobayashi gets a fair amount of the blame there, I think, on the narrative because it's also on top of what happened with, with Suter. And I actually, I wrote a column. It happened to be last week, so it was before this game. Uh, Stats Bomb just came out with this new metric called HOPS, which is a, a it's not, I forget what the you know it's a cute acronym, um, but it's basically like like a it's almost like an ELO. It's not ELO. I forget the name. It's like a next generation of ELO, which was actually created to um, uh, score chess players and and the way that it runs is basically um, taking the quality of your opposition into account as you, as you um, basically score people. Right. So the way historical um, aerial duel data that Allen's collected over time that I've looked at over time, it was okay. Do they win their duels or do they lose them? And mm. basically all this saying is, well, you know, um, Kobayashi winning a duel against Sakala is not the same as him winning a duel against Suter. And over all of the duels that they have throughout their entire you know, database or career that's on record, how do you adjust each of those duels relative to the strength of the opponent in the air, right? And it comes up with this kind of score, just like a chess player has their, their score as far as how good they are, supposedly, um, in their ranking. And... You know, so this there's this data is out there now for Celtic, and just using that, you know, Suter and Goldson rank significantly higher than any of our players. So, that, and again, we've talked about this, like that out, and CCV's the the, the top, by the way. So CCV mm. is actually the best out of anyone on either team. Um, and then you know, Starfelt is lower, much lower, and Kobayashi's much lower, and on the weaker side for a center back. Um, and then Suter and, and Goldson are right there, right behind CCV. So we have an inherent problem. We've talked about this for really since Ange's arrival, which is that we're kind of undersized and not great in the air. And it's in the grand scheme of things, it's it's kind of just a, a risk that we accept because of, you know, other considerations, right? You can't be all things to all, um, you know, you, you have to have some kind of weakness on a relative basis. Um, the question comes down is that Ralston actually is pretty good in the air and he, he scores more like your me kind of median center back, even though he's a right back and he's a bricky, right? And that's why he, he's a bit of a, he's more like a CCV version of a fullback because of how, you know, strong he is. Uh, so he's not as tall, but he's, he's, he's pretty strong and he actually dwarfs either Starfeld or, um, Kobayashi in this metric. And he was marking Sakala who's like, you know, I think the, the sample I created had a minimum of 200 aerial duels uh, over the last six seasons in this database. And Sakala, out of like 10,500 players, uh, Sakala is over 9,000. Like he's horrible okay. in here. Yeah. And, and so you have Ralston marking a guy who's no threat in the air to speak of. 
where you've got Kobayashi marking uh, Suter, who's actually better than Goldson and not too far behind CCV. So to me, that's a marking mistake. Again, if thinking about attribution, right? So I don't even know if Celtics using this yet. It's a brand new thing, but um, you know, you could make an argument that the real responsibility or the material responsibility in that goal is why is Ralston marking Sakala instead of Suter? Um, And that doesn't say that Kobayashi couldn't have done better, but again, it's like, he's not a big, strong guy. He's going to be at a deficit in that situation inherently to Suter. um, And it's a matchup problem. Mm. Yeah. I think that matches. I mean, before anybody gets into the comments and starts calling you a spreadsheet, Jagger, like oh, I, I think that matches up pretty well with the eye test anyway. I mean, like Suter, Goldson, both yeah. strong center backs, good in the air. If you look at Kobayashi in the last number of games that he's played, in the air is where he has looked quite weak. So I'm not sure it was the correct decision to have him marking one of the stronger headers of the ball for a corner for Rangers. And I just looking back at the gold Celtic are definitely going with a man to man system here. They're not going with like an in-between sort of zonal man to man or mm-hmm. just fully zonal. They are man to man here. So if that's what they're going to do um, now, I, I personally do prefer a man to man system, but I think if you're going to go with that, you need to make sure that you've got your man to man, you know, lined up pretty well. So get your strongest players on their strongest players and put your wicker players in positions that, you know, they're not going to be isolated or or made look a fool like Kobayashi kind of was at the weekend. So, yeah, well, I, I think it, that... And in, in fairness to Suter, it was a good header too. I mean, you know, hmm. that's that's not, you know, that's probably like a 10% chance. I, I, I can look at hmm. what the XG was. But, you know, even even all things considered and that Suter's a pretty good player in that position i mean that that's a phase of the play that he is it's a relative strength for him it's still not a slam dunk i mean he still did a really good job in finishing that particular chance um and again it's not a save that i think you criticize hard over not making but it's also one that you'd kind of want a keeper to do better on theoretically uh again particularly at the champions league level um because that's the kind of situation where on the margin you're going to face more players that are going to be able to put those kind of chances on, on goal. Um, so that, I thought that was, again, from an attribution perspective, it's a very small demerit to heart, not a big one, um, more of a opportunity cost kind of thing. But, you know, like I said, generally it's a matchup problem. I, I think it's unrealistic to think that Kobayashi is going to win that match up with any kind of consistency uh, given the gap in relative um, abilities in the air mm. another point i would make on that is that i think it's yoti you can't really see from the tv angles but he's the man that's doing the what's sort of the whole slash front post job and he right. comes off just enough that he can't get a block on, you know, so it's, it's, it's sort of like a mixture of all sorts of problems. Because Alan said that, you know, you do three things wrong in a row, like you're, you're, you've got a chance to concede and Celtic did multiple things in a row wrong there. So yep. um, they were, they were punished. It, we'll go to Bernabe next then, because I guess outside of Kobayashi, he's probably the one that's come under most fire after this game. He was dispossessed four times. I think it's more in his in the the in possession stuff that is probably driving people mad than the out of possession stuff. But we didn't really see much from Bernabe that we haven't seen before here. I think the problem is that it's been it hasn't been shaded over by other players. Like you know, Celtic didn't go and win this game because of. Rio Hatate being brilliant in midfield or scoring a worldly from from the goal or Jota taking control and, and things like that. The difference is people didn't overshadow Bernabe's bad performance here. This isn't so this is something we've seen before from him. Yeah, I so I I think this is a classic case of confirmation bias and narrative, meaning that out of um Bernabe's various performances, I wouldn't categorize this one as like catastrophic. <laughs> To your mm-hmm. point, like we, we talked about this, where his relative strengths and weaknesses are, he didn't really get much of a chance at all to display where his relative strengths are. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh, not to a material um, degree because we weren't really the dominant team in midfield. We didn't really control the game and they're attacking third to a significant degree. Um, and again, Hatate didn't have a great game. He, he gave the ball away qu- quite a bit, um, <clears throat> which again, he's apt to do. We've talked about that. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, back to Allen's um, uh, patent on, on potential for toxic combinations. This was, this was kind of a toxic combination situation and um, particularly given the tactics that, that Rangers deployed, I think. So yeah, I thought Bernabe was actually okay within the context of what his strengths and weaknesses are. I think that the the fact that we lost three nil to Rangers in a derby is the overarching, you know, um, uh, umbrella that covers all of this and shades all of the the narrative. And then, you know, the the uh, the whipping boys end up becoming narrative driven and confirmation bias. Um, and because certain people have very positive glow from supporters, rightfully so. Right. People like Cal McGregor. <laughs> right. You're not going to you're not going to fillet Cal McGregor, um, you know, b- based off of just who he is and generally how well he plays. But he had a pretty bad game uh, as well. Some big, you know, directly responsible for for um, contributing to a goal being conceded um, in kind of a laughable way. And normally that would be the thing that in a derby players get harangued over. But he justifiably gets a mulligan <laughs> and these other guys don't have that luxury. And so they're not getting mulligans of anything. They kind of sh- swing the other direction, which is, you know, um, the, the, you know, kind of outsized response in, in, in some ways. Mm. That, that kind of covers the comment that came in from four right on Twitter asking, is it fair to judge fringe players on after a one off match like this, why didn't stronger fringe players like Awata slash Moy, who have shown more play on Saturday? So, like, I mean, I've sort of covered that at the earlier stages of the show. Is that I don't think it's fair to judge any of these individual players or any of the players as individuals based upon this selection of team, or, uh, this team selection, because, right. like I said, you will not see this amount of changes made on a general day for Celtic over the course of a season. It's it's very, very unlikely that... Because some of these are forced changes 
like Cameron Carter Vickers being out of the team, like Johnson being out of the team. And then some of them are not forced. They're just players needing game time. The season's already wrapped up. It's very, very unlikely that we'll ever have to rely on this combination of players ever again. I would say it's probably probably never going to happen that Celtic will play that starting 11 ever again. Uh, right. And again, if, if, if you're and thinking then, about, you know, if, if you're thinking about, okay, we want to give Bernabe and uh, obviously it's pretty much, I mean, because him and O are the two, right? I mean, Kobayashi's pretty much the lockdown starter at this point with CCV out for the rest of the season. Um, so you, you've kind of got to play him with Starfelt, you know, particularly with the, the cup final being the last kind of big priority. Um, so you're really talking about Bernabe playing uh, and, oh, and I, relative to Moy and, and Awada, I mean, if you're going to play those two guys and give them some minutes, again, they're young players. You've invested in them a decent amount for Celtic terms uh, financially. Are they going to be part of the future? I mean, oh, it's way too early. But, you know, Bernabe has been here long enough now. It's like, OK, y- you've got to start. Again, this is the time of the season where he's good. he's got to get minutes if he's ever going to be part of the plan, in my view. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do you then incur more change and play a Wada and Moy, let's say for I don't know Hitate and and McGregor, would they have been better? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, he mm-hmm. he played the first pick for the most part midfield. Um, I, I would argue sensibly to try and create a foundation, a platform from which you would think Bernabe would have a better game. He's got Jota in front of him. You know what I mean? Like I could see the logic, but it surely didn't work. But I, I, I have a hard time thinking how, you know, it's always easy ex post, but yeah. <laughs> kind of ex yeah, ante yeah, yeah. ahead of time, like thinking that Awada and Moy were going to give these younger players a better platform to thrive in this kind of a, a derby match. You know, the, so the 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 the, uh, the counter narrative is always easy. Uh, that's why they say, in, you know, in American football, the, the most popular player is always the backup quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because right? if your team stinks, uh, it's th- that, you know, he's the designated savior that would always be better um, than, than the crap that you're putting up with. And I, I think yeah. we've got a bit of that with with this game. Well, it's it's sort of like the idea that Celtic stood still as well by just securing permanent signings of Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers as opposed to bringing in the new guy, the new name, who's going to be better again in that position. But I guess if you, just to finish on the the team selection, because there is a comment that I do want to touch on. It might be an interesting conversation for the rest of the show. But if you look at the starting 11 down the left-hand side, I mean, you've got... Bernabe, Hatate, and Jota, you've got the three most risky guys in possession on the left-hand side the entire way down the left flank. Bernabe, we've spoken time and time again when he when he plays, he tries to play the dangerous pass most of the time. Hatate is a risk-taking midfielder. He's not a controlling midfielder. And then Jota is, again, not someone who you're going to rely on to maintain possession of the ball. He wants to dribble at people. He wants to go at people. So that's the left side for me was probably the worst side. And, and then on, on the, right on the margin, side. on the margin, Kobayashi's also a bit of a risk taker from playing deep. So that, yeah. add that into the mix. Add, a, add yeah. that in. On the right hand side, you've got, you know, Matt O'Reilly aside because I thought he had a pretty decent game. Like Abada is a player who likes to arrive late at the back post, and he's playing on the same side as a player who likes to cross the ball in rather than, uh, you know, playing off the the winger. So I mean. These are the combinations. These are the issues. You probably have to lay some of the blame at Angie's door here for the starting lineup. If you're going to blame anybody, I think the starting lineup is wrong and was wrong and was proven to be wrong. But ultimately, I can't find myself being absolutely you know, frustrated or angry or furious about this. Yeah, you got to play these players at some point. And if you don't, then what's the point in having them at the club in the first place? So um, well, and you, if you can't do What's the old saying, Andy? How do you learn, right? You you don't learn through easy, uh, you know, defeating uh, Ross County seven nil. You, you learn through failure. You learn through making mistakes and then overcoming them. And I'm again, I I'm a little more agnostic on, um, you know, I 
I think the idea that we have to 100% optimize to try and win every single game once you've already clinched the league, like the health of the club longer term is, is part of it is playing younger players or, you know, uh, stress testing certain things, right? Some of this is like a laboratory. Maybe, maybe Ange had some of, some of these things that he wanted to try out and, and figure out whether some of these combinations. I'm, I mean, I have no clue, but my point is the idea that doing that at any time is unacceptable is I think kind of crazy meaning that um, it, it's not the end of the world <laughs> that this yeah. went pretty bad. Um, and it, it, I think there's reasonable debate to be had about whether the lineup made sense and that's, you know, that's fun. That's what we do uh, as fans. Um, but given all these other factors to me, it, it doesn't get kind of my back up and saying, Oh, this was like some terrible uh, decision because you just you don't know what the drivers of the decision making are and I think there's reasonable aspects that you could say okay you know going with this certain kind of lineup to see how things go okay didn't work out what ultimately in the long grand scheme of things what does that mean mm. I would argue nothing <laughs> yeah I I think this is a as much as Anne said it wasn't a freebie, I think it is. It's, it's a little bit of a freebie for. He can't say that the, the team overall. I mean, the yeah, team overall. I, mean, I wouldn't say individuals. I now I do think there will be individuals <laughs> that will suffer as a result of this, but you know, yeah, no, no, no Celtic manager with an IQ over ten is going to come out <laughs> and say that uh, a game against Rangers, you know, didn't matter, so to speak. I mean, that that's yeah. asinine. Of course, he's not going to say that. I've lost the original comment, but. I've got the gist of it anyway. Essentially, people talking about the size of the team um, mm-hmm. and the importance of size and the lack of size that, that Celtic have aerially. You mentioned it earlier. I, again, I can't find myself being overly you know, negative about this in the first place because, well, firstly, you, you don't want to end up with a team full of you know, six foot two, six foot one players who can't play football. You need to have a healthy mix. I think Celtic are just shy of a healthy mix. I don't think there's a dramatic fall off given the style of play that we play against the opposition that we play. I don't think that Celtic overly need to focus on having big, strong, burly players within their side. Now, there is the exception of Champions League football where, again, we're if you look at Celtic starting lineup, Cameron Carter-Vickers is probably the only one that you're saying is Champions League standard in the air. And physicality-wise in midfield, we're probably lacking a bit of pace. But outside of that, and when we're talking purely about size, does size matter with Celtic? Because I don't think it does. Massively. I, massively yeah. is the well, most important f- word in there. Fortunately, my, my life um, uh, credo with with my wife is that size doesn't matter so i'm going i'm going i i tend to be biased and leaning towards that uh so that i, I want to get that out of the way first um because i am biased but um at, we've talked about this in the past and actually at the champions league level it's less of an issue because particularly being a pot four or maybe aspirationally at some point a pot three team you're not feeling you know you're not facing the 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 shelling as a primary strategy from most pot one and two teams. Like they're, they're generally playing, um, you know, a more modern progressive type of, of game. Um, it's not to say on the margin, it's not an issue, but you know, I, I, I think it's more of an issue domestically. And again, there it's, we're so dominant uh, the vast majority of the time. Now I will say that because of like this, based off of, again, this, this hops thing that I mentioned earlier, swapping out CCV for Kobayashi is a material downgrade, like, the, like a relative, like, and, and, and this is, you've kind of think in the about, air, you uh, mean. in the air. Yes. Only in the, only in the air. Well, I, overall, I would argue probably too. Probably. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's dramatic in the air, meaning that he, CCV is a, like to your point, kind of a, a, a legit champions league level guy in the air. Um, and then Kobayashi is, you know, arguably not even SPFL level in the air that for a center back, right. As far as strength and, you know, just winning aerial duels. Um, so 
you know, you swap those two guys out and Starfelt's kind of okay in that capacity, but, you know, not uh, a dominant force. And now all of a sudden, you know, even, even a guy like uh, Ash Taylor, like you, you get into the, you know, teams like Kilmarnock that are, you know, he's, he's so you'll, you'll run into people that uh, domestically in Scotland that are really good in the air. Um, you, you'll run into that in, you know, League One in England, right? I mean, it, it, it's, it, it just takes you to be big and strong and be able to jump a little bit. Um, so it's not that you want to swing things. In, I don't think you want to swing things in that um, direction or, or optimize on that. I think if you're going to pick a relative weakness, that's probably okay. It's just that right now, you know, I, I also would say you kind of want someone that's at least top notch, at least one. And you, again, all other things being equal, you'd want a keeper that's a little better coming off the line, probably, um, which which we don't have. Um, so that's, yeah, it's been a relative weakness. Fortunately, we've been so dominant domestically that for the most part, it hasn't matter because we don't give up that many free kicks. We don't give up that many corners. Um, and just generally teams aren't good enough to be in possession long enough to work the ball out wide and have midfield runners and have, you know, their strikers in a position where they can, uh, you know, just kind of organically build up play to the point where they can whip crosses in. Um, and, you know, uh, again, that this is where it, it, it was glaring for Rangers uh, competitively this season against us is that outside of their center backs, they don't either. I mean, Morales is eh, not you know, even for a striker. He's not great in the air <clears throat> and none of their other attacking players for the most part are, or, um, you know, Kolak, if he plays okay in the air, but not not great, uh, even, again, even for a striker. So, you know, again, if you got CCV against Morales, it's not even a competition. Like, he just relatively swats him away because the, the disparity is so great. So it really is just about free kicks and corners. And, you know, that that's um, certainly where it arose on, on the weekend. Mm. Well, that's what hit the top mentions in the comment as well he says that a more dominant goalkeeper makes up for the lack of height and i i think this is quite it's it's quite funny because i i saw this on on twitter the other day and it's the the two things that most uh that the data nerds and that old football men let's call them have in common when it comes to their views on football is that number one the manager doesn't make enough substitutions and number two (laughs) the goalkeepers need to be more proactive. Like if you're looking at, at the way that football is going, everybody, everybody wants their goalkeeper to be off their line. You know, the, the words of the De Gea's and the Joe Hart's yeah. is quickly dying out and people want to, um, people want to come and just have a goalkeeper that's so proactive, basically playing midfield a lot of the time. And, is coming and just punching the ball when it comes from a corner. That's the way the football's going now. Yeah, and, and again, this uh, this is where I think um, this issue of optimization is is important. Meaning that I, I actually have given Ange a lot of credit for being flexible enough to adjust with heart relative to kind of what uh, I know my expectations were as far as um, how he was likely to utilize his keeper when he arrived at Celtic is even before. Um, Hart was brought in and he very quickly pivoted off of that after giving Hart a little bit of a chance to, 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 to have that, uh, give that a go. Um, so I, I actually think there are, um, cause I, I wrote a column about this, um, a couple of weeks ago is they did a kind of a refresh analysis on the keeper. So if you, you look at, um, club Bruges, um, they got shelled in the champions league. Like they, they did not like play dominant in a way where they, uh, uh, but Mignolet had an insane group stage where he saved them like six goals because he just had an incredible run of shot stopping. Right. And if you think back about how did Celtic um, have any European success, you know, in kind of the last 10 years, it was basically one guy standing on his head, like Forster (laughs) against Barcelona uh, and Lazio home and away. I mean, those are the kind of the, the big accomplishments in Europe. Um, and it was because our keeper wasn't because we dominated play. That's for sure. Um, so I think there's an argument to be made or at least a debate to be had about 
the importance of these aspects of keeper play. Um, and, you know, the idea of having a Forster or a Hart try to do some of this stuff, I think is kind of silly. I mean, you're, you're going to put them in a position to fail because they don't have the mobility. They may not have the, um, the instinctual decision-making. Um, again, you put people in situations where they're less comfortable. They're usually, you know, less likely to um, make quality decisions. Um, and that's where something like we've, again, we've talked about John Harrison, who's really started to pioneer some of the stuff on keeper play as far as modeling decision-making, like when to, when to come out on a one versus one, like what situations should the keeper rush? When should they do a spread say, when should they do, you know, all these different, very specific keeper related decision-making and looking at it from a um, probability perspective. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I actually, um, I've, I've come down based off of the, the two seasons now where we've gone through Ange's style of play relative to the domestic competition that I'm leaning towards, particularly at the champions league level that we need to really prioritize shot stopping. Um, because I, I just don't think we're going to be able to upgrade in midfield and other aspects of play at that level against pot one and two teams that we're not going to give up a lot of chances. Like we just are, mm. and we may not be as much as this past season, but we gave up like a ton of chances <laughs> to, to cut it by 20%. We'd still be in like the top third of uh, teams in, in how much they concede. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that, you know, too much. Um, and when you're dealing with those level of finishers, you give them that many chances, you know, that's when you get five goals scored against you like we did in, in certain games. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I actually I've, I've come around on that a little bit um, relative to Celtics specifically under Ange. Club Brugge are a, an interesting club because they seem to be doing all the right things and then they, they hired Scott Parker before their Champions League and got absolutely you know destroyed so I mean that goes to one bad decision away from a lot of progress being taken apart um, in a matter of months so look we shall see what happens I, I my as we wrap this up I guess my, my conclusion from this and we'll get your conclusion now in a second is that Look, are some of these players good enough for Celtic? Are they going to be at the club next year? Are they going to be the first or second choice at the club? I'd argue for most of the players who came in as replacements at the weekend, no. Does that mean they're not good enough to be replacements individually in a, on an individual basis? I'd also say no. I would say most of them probably are good enough to come in, especially at the SBFL level. And... Am I overly annoyed at the situation? Yeah, I'm a bit annoyed that Celtic lost the derby and the performance wasn't good, but I'm also accepting that you know, they, they've been phenomenal pretty much all season. They're probably wrecked tired. And look, it wasn't great that it ended up being the game against Rangers that came after Celtic had won the league and these changes are being made. It would have been nicer if Celtic had an Aberdeen or a Hibs or someone else to have a buffer game to get these players in in their first game. Not excusing the losing, not excusing the performance, but yeah, I, I think my overall conclusion to this would be that probably shouldn't be too overly annoyed or disappointed or have a state of the nation sort of discussion as a result of this result. 100% agree. Um you know, I, I, but I, I, I even think there's nuance amongst the three guys. I mean, in that you know, I don't even think of Kobayashi as a quote unquote replacement because of what's going on, as we, as I mentioned. But you know, Ralston's in for a guy who's injured, and Ralston's been very good under Ange domestically. Um, I don't think he had a particularly bad game. I mean, he wasn't a standout as far as big errors or anything like that. Um, and oh, you know, again we we've talked about this over and over again, that the striker position in Ange's system is largely a derivative one, meaning that they're not on the ball that much and we weren't creating chances and we did not win the midfield battle. So, um, you know, I, I have, and he didn't, you know, he had one big chance and he, I thought was pretty good on it and just didn't 
you know, quite score it, <laughs> which is, you know, that's going to happen. Um, and, you know, Bernabeu, like we said, has been here long enough that I would think Ange would have a pretty good handle on whether he's good enough for what he wants to do. And he's yeah. either, he either is or he isn't. And if he mm-hmm. isn't, then they've got, they've probably make plans about what they're going to do about it. Um, and if he is, then he can continue to develop and hopefully and uh, improve and, you know, make the improvements that he needs. I have no clue. I mean, that, that's, um, you know, when people say an Ange we trust, like I, I'm always a, the trust but verify type, but that is the kind like, that's kind of his job. Like he's, he's got to make those kind of determinations on whether some of these players are good enough. Um, and that goes back to, unless they play some, you know, how do you even render that kind of an opinion? Is it all just training? Well, maybe, but um, clearly he saw fit to play him. And again, I didn't think he was that bad. Yeah, Burnaby is probably the only one that I'm coming out with question marks over. But I'm not judging him just on this game. I think... Agreed. Yep. I think yep. the idea of whether or not Burnaby is good enough to be Celtic starting left back has been well and truly... That debate's over. It's been over all season. The fact that he hasn't been able to displace Greg Taylor, yeah, he's not good enough to be Celtic's first choice left back because he's proven over the course of the season he's not. I'm not making that judgment on this game because that would be unfair to do. It'd be unfair to write someone off after one game. But if you're not able to to dispel the player that you're supposed to be battling for his place, then no, you're you're clearly not good enough to be the starting left back. So Celtic might need to look at getting someone in who's going to be pushing Greg Taylor a little harder. That's probably, that could be underway. We just don't know. And uh, just to add final context to sort of my reaction to this game or my, my general overall feelings, I will say this. I am coming at this from a complete armchair fan perspective. I'm not a match going fan. I don't pay for a season ticket. If I did, and if I did pay to go see this game, would my opinion of these players be a little bit different? I'd probably be fairly fucking pissed off. But I'm not, so therefore, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I think that's where we'll finish off the show then, James. Again, apologies to everyone in the comments. We are short-staffed. We're, you know, you can't get, can't get the staff these days. Alan decided to take a week and a half off to go for a walk. So, James, look, in the words of uh, Mr. Stephen Arbuckle, who was in the comments earlier, just not good enough. It just doesn't... Um... I think he's he's off contemplating uh, many important issues in life. So we wish him the best. Hopefully he recharges the batteries to come back um, refreshed and, and ready to go into uh, the long summer break where we won't have podcasts either. So I don't know what he's doing. The, the, the scheduling, it's pretty shocking. He took 10 days off when we're wrapping up the season. I, I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, it's like just he, before he took we... a pre-vacation for his, for his summer vacation. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, as I said, we'll be looking into, we're look, already looking at, you know, the summer transfer in the same way as Celtic are. So, you know, if he doesn't step up his game, then look, nobody's nobody's place is safe at the end of the day. Before we wrap up, there is one last comment coming in, James, from G Raccoon, who's asking any recommendations for sites for learning about football data analysis? Oh, yeah. Uh, t- DM me on Twitter. At at Juco James, I'll I'll send you some stuff. Probably better than uh, trying to put it together here. Yeah, makes sense. James, thanks very much. Thanks, Enda. And thanks to everybody who's watching in the comments on YouTube. If you're watching and you're new to the show, hit subscribe. And if you're not, hit like and keep the comments coming as well. At Huddle Breakdown is where you can get us on Twitter and you can get the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcast. We'll be back next week. We're going to have a special show. We're going to be talking about finances. So anybody who likes to talk about finances and football, then next week is the show for you. Until then, we'll chat to you next week. Good luck. Time to play the game! <laughs> it's all about the game, and I am playing it's all about control!
Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 